If you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 61 and Psalm 62, we are going to be reading just a few short verses at the beginning of those psalm, uh, psalms together as we reflect, uh, continue reflecting on the attributes of God as we have been over the last couple of months in our Not God series. Not God meaning that you and I are never going to have the attributes that we have been looking at. And so we looked last week at the attribute of omnipresence, God being able to be present everywhere. We are never going to be able to do that. But one of the things that we have recognized is we, we want to have these qualities. And yet God tells us it's in his grace and mercy that we do not, that we are not God. And this morning as we look at the attribute of immutable, Uh, not changing, uh, we'll reflect on why that's so important. So as we uh, prepare, we're going to be reading Psalm 61, verses 1 through 3, and then Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. And before that, um, we're going to join together in prayer. Lord God, thank you that whenever we pray, You listen. When Abram prayed, you listened. When Moses prayed, you listened. When Deborah prayed, you listened. When David prayed, you listened. When Mary prayed, you listened. And now when we pray, you listen. And we ask that just as you listened then, that you would listen now. And that you would send your spirit to help us to listen well to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 3, and then Psalm 62. Hear my cry, O Lord, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. And then Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. This is the word of the Lord. One of the reasons, of course, that the psalmist begins prayers by noting that God is a rock is that Everything else around seems to change and shift. And the reality is that for many of us, we experience change as a negative. We experience change as a negative. Very few of us like the fact that every time we drive down Byron Center Avenue, we're not quite sure what the sign outside the gas station is going to say. We like when it goes down, but we're never quite sure. It would be nice for budgeting purposes, to have it always be the same. We'd like to be able to go to the grocery store and know that a loaf of bread is always going to cost the same amount of money. And yet, as we've learned, the only thing that doesn't change its price is Arizona iced tea, which is still 99 cents a can. And we don't necessarily like all of the changes that we experience, not only in the world around us, but in our own bodies. 
Right? We change, we go to the doctor, and we recognize that our blood pressure has changed, our, our eating has changed. Our, uh, change isn't experienced as a, a positive thing. We sort of know it's inevitable, but it's something that we often push off or strain against. But we do recognize that change is going to happen. That change sometimes can be good. A couple of weeks ago, we sent our young people to Kentucky because we wanted them to enact change in a community that had experienced a tornado to go and help rebuild, to help build up again. We put great hope in the ability of people to change. But sometimes we continue in a relationship because we hope that oh, given enough time, that given enough patience, that something will change. We have this in the, the election cycles. We have this in friendship cycles. We have this in the way that we think about the way things unfold. We, we know that change is inevitable and that normally it doesn't always go well, but we do have this hope that change will be good. And yet the psalmist says, God doesn't change. And in some ways, it's about as clear as the Bible can be. In Malachi 3, God says through the prophet, I, the Lord, do not change. If we go ahead to Hebrews, for thinking if it's just the Father, the author of Hebrews writes, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the image that we get most often when it comes to God not changing is a rock. An impersonal rock. So there's something about this word that makes us a little nervous. Because if God doesn't change, how can God, who doesn't change, relate to us? How can a God who cannot be impacted by what's going on in the world truly understand us? How can God sympathize with us in our weakness if he doesn't change? How can our prayers matter if God doesn't experience the pain we're experiencing? If God isn't trying to relate to us, but rather is this rock that's sort of just there. There's a couple of reasons we want to reflect on for why it's so important that God does not change and how God in Christ marries, melds those two things together. But first, a bit more on change. Imagine for a moment that God could change. Imagine for a moment that God could change. That one day you and I would arrive at church and we would hear that God's standards for living were suddenly different. 
that instead of there being ten commandments, there were now eight. That would be kind of a difficult thing to wonder about how to live in a way that pleased God because it would mean that what made God happy, what pleased God, what brought God joy, what brought God honor and praise would be shifting and changing a little bit like how we experience being in relationship to other people. And to take that even a a step deeper, a step lower, If God could change, wouldn't that put at risk how we experience salvation in Jesus Christ? Because if God could change, it would mean that one day the cross was no longer enough to bring us wholeness and fullness. It was no longer enough to bridge the gap between God and us. If God was capable of change, then everything we build our lives on would be up in the air. And that would be horrifying. Just as horrifying is trying to take the people and the things that we have been given in this life and make them as unchanging as God. So this past, uh, this past summer, we've been to the beach, we've been to the lake. It's one of my favorite places to go because I grew up so near to Lake Michigan. Going back there feels a little bit like being settled. And yet every year the lake is a little different. It's a little higher, it's a little lower, the sand is a little bit different. Some years it smells, some years there's bacteria, some years the current underneath is stronger than others. Every year is a little bit different. Every year things change. And there's something unsettled in this. And if I expect Lake Michigan to be unchanging like God, I cannot go and appreciate it. I can't enjoy it. I can't go and recognize that this is a created thing to bring God worship. And if I look across the table at my partner, at my spouse, at my wife, and I expect her to be as unchanging as God, for her to be as faithful as God, for her to be able to maintain everything in her person, I will be nothing but disappointed in her, in our relationship, and in anything related to us. If I expect my children to not change, to maintain obedience, to continue to grow up in perfection, I will fail them, they will fail me, and the distance will grow. If I put my hopes for unchanging reality in in a church, in a friendship, in a community, in an order of worship, in the songs that we sing, in a political party, in a person, if I put the hope for unchanging world in anything but God, I will be disappointed. I will become angry. And I will fail to love and reflect the faithfulness of God in me. 
just as dangerous as trying to be unchanging in a world that is changing. To be that for my spouse, to be that for you as the pastor of this church, to be that for the person in this community, to be the, the steady one who never changes, to be the rock, to be the one that people will cling to, to do that is to step in and be or try to be what only God can be. And so when God comes to us and says, I alone am the one who do not change, what he's really saying to us is there something in being human that means you're going to change? It's inevitable. Your bodies are going to break down, and that is going to be something we work through and accept. That the relationships that we have are going to change over time. There are going to be times of flourishing. There's going to be times of valley. There's going to be times of great closeness, and there's going to be times of distance. And God alone is the one who will not change, whose promises are always steady, whose faithfulness is always sure. And it also means that every quality that God tells us about himself doesn't change. As I noted with the kids, my taste buds change. You probably have the same experience as you've gotten older. Your taste buds are a little different. Some of us went through COVID and we lost our taste for a time or two. And when it came back, it was different. As our taste buds shifts, shift, as things about us are different, we wonder about how different qualities go up and down. And yet for God, it is not as if his love changes. It is not as if his justice changes. It is not as if his mercy changes. It is not as if his perfection of plan changes. It is not as if his omnipresence changes. It's not as, in, as if any of those go up or down based on how things are unfolding. They are always to the max which allows us to build a life around and on a God who does not change. The love for he has for us, we can truly say to each other, will not grow based on how good we are, and it will not diminish on how sinful we are. His faithfulness to the world does not depend on how the world responds to the mercy he extends to it or how well it responds in worship. God's presence in the world does not change whether or not we acknowledge it or not. It is constant. Because Jesus Christ took all of the fullness of the God who does not change and put on human flesh. And in doing so, became a God who does not change, who also experiences the fullness of what it means to be human. What it means to reside in a world where everything changes constantly. So that the God who sits on the throne 
knows and experiences and feels what it is like to be us. And so rules and reigns not out of a position of coldness like a rock, but out of a a place that knows, a place that is close, a place that is personal and human. And this provides us with a hope that we cannot have if we are depending upon our own ability to remain who we are. Because if God is able to not change and his love and mercy and grace and justice do not change and he knows and sympathizes with us in our weakness and fills with us with the Spirit in order so that we may go forward in that, we can live in hope that his Spirit will continue to be at work even in the midst of the changing world. And so in a few moments, we're going to gather around the table and we're going to receive again something that most of us have received before. In some ways, the table does not change. Right? The bread we receive is a little different than the last time, but it's the same. And the promise is the same. The call is the same. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the cup and drink it in remembrance of me and remember that what I have accomplished for you isn't different than it was before. You may need it more. You may want it more. But what I have given you in my son Jesus is always there. And so the challenge for us is to rest in the sameness, the unchangeableness, the immutability of God and to hold on to his faithfulness and his promises given to us. Let's pray. Gracious God, there's a lot here in your being unchanging. And in some ways, our minds struggle to even understand because we are always changing. Our world is always changing. And we desperately cling to things to be the same. Sometimes in ourselves, sometimes in others, sometimes in our world. God, as we gather around your table and we hear again your word to us, to receive, to eat, to remember and believe, to drink and remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was given for a complete forgiveness of all our sins. Sins of our past, sins of our present, sins of our future. Forgiveness not based on whether our hearts are truly repentant. Grace and mercy given not based on how close we feel to you, ourselves, or one another today. But based on your unchanging faithfulness to us. And so even as we receive, may you stir in us the desire 
to be faithful to you, to each other, to ourselves, and to our world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.